If you enjoy being really scared, if you're not afraid of the unknown, if you've found a friend in fear, then we have a friend for you. Hi. The director who unleashed Freddy in Nightmare on Elm Street, Wes Craven, now brings you his most frightening creation. Get out of my house! Hey, girl. She's killing people. Mom? Padoru, Padoru. Padoru, Padoru. Hello and welcome to the Best Boys Podcast. I'm Festive Boy Dan. And I'm Best Goy Justin. It's okay, I wrote that joke. You're damn right you did. And we'd like to wish everyone a happy holiday, whatever it is you might be celebrating this year. I know I, for one, am celebrating a Roman emperor with a penchant for acting and lavish costumes who ultimately stabbed himself in the neck. How is that holiday related? It's the true message of Christmas, of course. Okay. And after that, we'll check in with Studio WEEB for some anime news. Followed by a very merry Christmas helping of meat and potatoes. And finally, we will cap it off with a fun and festive top 10 Christmas anime episodes for all our very merry little best buds out there. But first, Best Boy Dan, can you please explain what is up with all the Pododoo? Um, so all of the best buds out there who listened to the end of the last two episodes definitely heard some Padaru or in our, uh, cold open this episode heard it. Um, if you have been online in the anime communities, basically memes on Reddit, um, which is our anime community of choice. Um, it's yours. <laughs> mine. <laughs> um, just for like fun memes, like Padaru is everywhere in uh in the month of december and uh, the late november too <laughs> there's there's some late great like um horror movie like it's coming yeah. like memes out there that's probably my favorite ones um but yeah it's just kind of like a seasonal memory um but let's dive into it a little bit um because i didn't know a lot about it i'm not a fate fan so it just kind of came out of nowhere for me um, were you familiar with it, Best Boy Justin? Not at all. I've only heard it from the memes. Okay. So the word padaru uh, means paddle. It's an onomatopoeic word, which refers to the paddling sound that uh, a paddle, sp- like splashing in the water, makes. Uh, when you double it, or padaru padaru, it's a Japanese onomatopoeia that refers to the clip-clopping noise of a reindeer's hoof when it's trotting about. Uh, the word has been memified and in uh, American English is commonly used by quote-unquote weeaboos or weebs, fans of Japanese anime and manga, as an exclamation around the holidays according to Urban Dictionary. Yes. That's 
scholarly reference I urban mean, dictionary yeah and uh, that's more or less true i would say yeah um <laughs> the meme comes from uh, a playstation game fate extra in the care uh in the game nero claudius sings a parody of the japanese version of jingle bells a uh, popular christmas song uh, and the character ends the song loudly by yelling potteru potteru uh, i've cleared this with editor best boy dan ahead of time can you give them a taste please in late 2011, it was uploaded onto YouTube and has garnered over 1.7 million views. Um, it's pretty popular out there. Um, so the thing I find most hilarious about this, and really all of like fate having only really partaken as an outsider mm -hmm. to it, is just the kind of like recasting of like historical characters as like women with swords. Mm -hmm. um, and and this character, this like cute little chibi like Christmas character, is based on Nero Claudius. Um, so I dug a little bit into who Nero Claudius is, and I just wanted to give you a backstory on what that cute little, like, Christmas girl is. Okay. Are you ready for this, best boy, Justin? No, I'm not. Well, well let's go anyway. Strap in. We're gonna. Do, this is gonna be a, 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 a best boy's deep dive into Greek history or Roman history. Hooray! <laughs> um, sound more excited. <laughs> Uh, Nero Claudius uh, Caesar Augustus Germanicus lived from 37 to 68 AD. He was the fifth emperor of Rome. He became emperor after his mother poisoned her second husband. She married her uncle, who was the then emperor, and then convinced that uncle to let Nero, her son, succeed him. Uh, in that kind of pursuit of power she just poisoned a whole bunch of people along the way i'd like to imagine that <laughs> she didn't actually poison anybody she's just a really really bad cook uh that is entirely possible that <laughs> wait what is oh that's like um uh reincarnated as a slime she owned yeah she's basically just like the greek version of she owned yeah um or roman version um so eventually, uh, Burris and Seneca convinced Nero to force his mom into retirement after he took over. Uh, she was shadow governing a little too hard. Uh, everyone expected Nero to kind of be a monster with his particular upbringing and his mother, but he ended up not being so bad as far as like Roman emperors are concerned, which is not saying it ton but yeah. you know um his government forbade contests in the circus involving bloodshed banned capital punishment they reduced taxes uh and accorded permissions to slave to bring civil complaints against their unjust masters um which you know is again not the worst for a roman emperor but you know you do uh, <laughs> not, in fact, have to hand it to Emperor Nero. No, um, he, not the best. Uh, he even ended the most, like, most, not all of them, of the, like, secret trials that were, like, popular with his predecessor. Uh, Nero also inaugurated competitions in poetry, in the theater, uh, and in athletics uh, as counterattractions to, like, gladiatorial combat. He saw to it that the assistance was provided to cities that had suffered disasters, and at the request of Jewish historian Flavius Josephus, he gave aid to the Jews. Uh, though 
all that he did for the people didn't really endear him to the aristocrats that had been in power, uh, especially because he like kind of spent money like water. Mm-hmm. Um, he, over the years, there were like tons and tons of assassination attempts, but he made like friends with the right people because most of them were thwarted by slaves like giving up their masters, being like, "Hey, my master's trying to kill you, but like you were not bad to me." So like as far as emperors go. Um, in the four months following, uh, oh, in uh, 66 AD, he went on this like 15 month long trip to visit Greece. And on this trip, he was like, I'm gonna show like the Greeks, like the true beauty that is like us and myself. And so he like had this long flowing hair and he like didn't wear shoes and walked around in like the kind of like, you know, white robe like sort of thing. Um, and just, like, did that for, like, 15 months and, like, spent a whole ton of money. In the four months following his return, uh, to Rome in February of 68, his delirious pretensions as both an artist and a religious worshiper aroused the enmity of not only the Senate, but of those patricians who had been disposed of by him, uh, and also the Italian middle class, which had, uh, old-fashioned moral views of how, like, their, uh, you know, leader should perform. So, like, him getting all, like, dressed up and going out on the town was not so cool with them. Squares. <laughs> um, even common soldiers of the legions were scandalized to see a descendant of Caesar publicly perform on stage. Oh, yeah, he also, like, started acting, too. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, kind of weird. That'd yeah. be like, that'd be like if Biden was in, like, <laughs> the Fiddler on the Roof down the road. Yeah, no, he was like, Biden, come see Biden in the Nutcracker. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a little weird. Um, that's exactly what it was. Um, but yeah, so the like soldiers were not having it. Um, one even said, "I have seen him on stage playing pregnant women and slaves about to be executed," and uh, describing how he'd lost like faith in their emperor. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Senate eventually condemned Nero to die a slave's death uh, on the cross and under the whip. Uh, basically, all of his like uh, supporters just were like, "All right, we're out. Abandon him." Uh, he basically was like, "Okay," and then he ran away and then stabbed himself in the neck, and that was the end, uh, allegedly. Uh, but that's why we celebrate him as Christmas. Uh, okay, that's a lot deeper than I thought it would be. <laughs> I always thought it was just Jesus's birthday. Yep, that is the true story of Christmas according to anime. Okay. Well, I guess I have to watch more Fate. I don't know. (laughs) All right, well, uh, you know, that was an interesting little aside about uh, how Roman history apparently intertwines with uh, anime. Um, Moving along, I did want to talk about, uh, I did want to do a check-in with the Best Boys Frontline. Uh, Oh, that's what you're calling your excursion. Yes, I'm calling it now. Um, I made it to level 48. Uh, I'm still going. I haven't hit the wall yet, but we're, we're getting close. Um, I just, I I haven't had a lot of time to play lately. So like, I haven't really been progressing very far, but like, even though you're supposed to be like slowly building up like resources, even when you're not playing, I still find myself like rate limited as far as like, you know, specific resources go. And it's like, it's clearly trying to get you to buy resource packs. Well, there's, there's usually like certain resources that are abundant yeah and then there's like that one thing that like you you can earn but you can't really get it unless you spend like money yeah um this isn't quite that you can get it without spending money it just takes it takes like 
either you have to wait for it to accrue, which it does at a rate of, I think, like three per minute, um, or you can get it as like rewards for completing quests. So that's kind of how this one is. It's not as monetized as like the gems are, but you can use gems to buy it. Uh, it's rations. Rations is the, the resource that I'm... There are four. So there's manpower, ammo, rations, and parts. Um, and usually rations and parts are the ones that I seem to to struggle with. Okay. Um, but I'm still going along. I still haven't spent any money. Um, we're going to see how far I make it. I think I'm in chapter six of the story campaign now. Um, and uh, yeah, I've managed to make my rolls for all... You know, so far all month this month, so hopefully by the end of the month I'll get my 120 gems that I'll need to unlock a new, uh, <laughs> another squad so I can actually get more resources coming in. Um, but uh, before we get into the anime news uh, portion of the show, I did want to briefly talk about Kimono. Uh, because Best Boy Dan side <laughs> sidewinded me with a question that I wasn't prepared to answer last week. Oh yeah, I forgot um, about that. Yeah, I was mostly right. Uh, what I was uh, in my answer, I will say that the word that I was looking for was furisode, not fundoshi. Um, I absolutely read that as furisode. Furisode, yes, that's that. <laughs> the word I was looking for was furisode. Oh um, no, I should uh, not be allowed out of the house. <laughs> no, you should, um, but no, it's furisode. It does. It doesn't mean what I thought it meant. Um, the word that I had used was fundoshi, which does indeed mean loincloth. Um, so they are very <laughs> different things. Um, but as far as like a brief primer on kimono, uh, kimono ver kimono is the word as a word literally just means clothing. It means okay. dress. Um, and it refers to a specific style of traditional Japanese dress, which is the kimono. Um, but uh, it, it, it's not, it, the word itself doesn't necessarily denote a specific type. And there are a, a number of different types of kimono. Uh, they vary in levels of formality, uh, with the yukata, which we're most familiar with, being the least formal. It's the lightest. It's a summer kimono for being out and about. Mm. Um, and they, can, they get increasingly more formal from there. Uh, formality can be measured by the weight of the material or also the number of crests or kamon on the uh, pattern. So, like, most of the kimono that you see, like, as far as yukata go, they're made of lightweight fabrics because they're made for the summer. And they don't have any kamon, which are, like, little circular designs on the kimono. You probably generally won't see these because they are... And once you start getting into the, the realm of kimono that have kamon on them, they start to get pretty expensive. Mm -hmm. um, now, the uh, afurisode is the most formal type of kimono which is typically worn by uh, unmarried women. Uh, it has, like, these very long, flowing kind of sleeves, which are apparently descended from when, like, um, court dancers used to wear them while they danced, and the sleeves would, like, trail around oh. with their movements or whatever. Um, but as far as an unmarried woman is concerned, this is the most formal kimono. You would wear it for, like, very special occasions. Maybe if you were going to a fancy tea ceremony, um, you would wear it if you were going to someone else's wedding. Not your own. Um, the type of uh, kimono that you would be wear as a bride at a traditional Shinto wedding uh, is called a shiromuku, which literally translates to pure white innocence. And they are, as you might have guessed, pretty much white. Um, they're made of very heavy fabric, 
fabric. Fabric. Uh, they're exorbitantly expensive, um, and most people don't actually own one. Uh, they're usually rented for the occasion, unless there's one that's been like passed down through generations in your family. Hmm. Um, just because like they are in like when I say they're expensive, they're expensive. Are we like, talking like car expensive? Probably close, like getting there. Like they're a couple couple thousand dollars, and you can Ooh. easily get up in the tens of thousands of dollars because they Dang. are they're handmade. They're made of very of very specific cloth in very specific ways by only a handful of artisans. So like, mm. <laughs> you're gonna probably rent it. It's it's a lot like a wedding dress here in the states. A lot of people rent their wedding dresses these days sure. um, because they're just very expensive. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know the uh, as far as men's kimono are concerned. They're not as varied in style as women's kimono. <laughs> uh, mostly, they come in like subdued colors and patterns. So, like you men's have clothing, so much more boring than. Women's I mean, that's clothing. just how life is, you know. Yeah. Um, but they come in like blacks and blues and greens and browns, which are all very common. Um, a marked exception to this rule, though, are the kimono worn by sumo wrestlers, who are required to wear one at all times in public. Interesting. Um, High-ranking wrestlers occasionally wear kimono with very flamboyant and bright colors and patterns. So, like, you'll see, like, there was one sumo wrestler, I can't remember his name, but he was, like, very famous, and he would wear, uh, like, a fuchsia kimono everywhere. Ooh. Um, I want to look this up. Yeah, so, um, so those, that's kind of the exception there. Um, typically, as far as formality in men's kimono is concerned... Um, the increase in formality is generally provided by, again, the material. So, like, the heavier material is more formal. Um, and then you also add accessories, such as, like, a howdy jacket, which is, like, a short, like, a waist-length uh, short jacket worn over the kimono. Uh, or pleated hakama pants. If you've ever seen, like, a judo or an aikido um, master, you never see those, like, pleated, like, flowing. It looks like a skirt, but it's not. They're actually pants. Yeah. Yeah, that's called a hakama um, that is considered a part of formal dress or martial arts. Generally, it's worn by like black belts. We'll wear like a hakama. Okay. Um, but yeah, so that's uh, that's my little my little uh, explainer on kimono. We do had they to wear correct the record hakama on that one. In Demon Slayer, some of them do. Okay. Yeah, some of them do. Um, some of them wear just regular um, flared like pants, like okay. uh, like breeches. Um, but some of them do. I I forget who wears a hakama. Um, but you'll know it if you see it. Roroni Kenshin, he wears a hakama. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, also, like, uh, oh, what's her name? Um, Kikyo wears a hakama as well. Okay, I gotcha. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, as far as, uh, as far as formal, formal attire is concerned, I believe we've, uh, we've corrected the record satisfactorily. And, uh, on that note, I think it's time for us to check in with Studio WEB for some anime news! Up first, uh, I want to bring up something that I found that I'm not sure if I love or will give me horrible nightmares. Um, but they made a full-sized uh, bust of uh, ReZero's iconic creepy antagonist, uh, Beetlejuice? Beetlegeist? Petal, uh, yeah, it's Petal, be Beetlejuice. It's, it's, Beetlejuice. Yeah. it's Beetlejuice. It's Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like, life-size bust yeah that's wild have you seen it i have seen it and okay like, it's it's not just that it's a bust of him it's a bust of him doing the like kawaii yeah. girl like um blushing face blushing face with the like peace sign next to the eyes yeah like here's the deal. like the thing about it that confuses me the most is that like out of all of the characters in that show who you yeah. make a bust of why him like <laughs> i mean i guess because there's a million weird. like rem ram 
like Amelia ones. Good, out there. a million and one. I love them all. <laughs> but like, it, there's the Beetlejuice lovers out there. It's not cheap. It's two hundred and ninety four thousand eight hundred yen, Jeez. or approximately two thousand six hundred US dollars. Yeah, that's too much. Um. I really want it though. Yeah, <laughs> I have absolutely nowhere that I could put that. It, we'll we'll put it as our Patreon goal. Yeah, get, <laughs> help Dan a bust help of Beetlejuice. Buy the best boys a bust of Beetlejuice. If we had a studio, I would put that like other than Studio W. Yeah, I was gonna say where where do you think I we mean, are? Yeah. We could totally put it in Studio W E E V. Someone's on to do us. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, on uh, a little bit more somber note, though, um, we uh, were sad to find out that um, voice actor uh, Joji Yanami uh, passed away on December third. Um, he is famous for voicing uh, the narrator of the Dragon Ball franchise. He also did King Kai. Dr. Briefs, Bobbity, um, he's like, you know, pretty iconic in the VA scene, so. Yeah, I mean, but, I don't, I've never been super into Dragon Ball Z, but even like, you know, even I can like still conjure up the voice of the narrator yeah. in my head. So, uh, it was sad to lose that one. Um, yeah. Uh, and to finish out my segment, uh, that was a roller coaster of emotions. We go from re-zero to that. and That's just how now, we do. And now we're going to finish it up with a little bit of crime news. So, uh, following up on our earlier story about uh, Ufotable's founder, uh, Hikaru Kondo, um, the Tokyo District Court handed down a guilty verdict uh, and sentenced to anime studio Ufotable's founder, representative director and president Hikaru Kondo, uh, on the charge of violating the Corporation Tax Act and Consumption Act by failing to pay 138 million yen, or about one point. Uh, to 5 million uh, US dollars in taxes. Kondo has been sentenced to 20 months in prison, uh, but the sentence is suspended for three years. If Kondo remains on good behavior uh, for three years, he will not serve prison. Because, you know... Rich no, people don't go to jail. Rich people don't go to jail even in Japan. Um, I mean, to be honest, like, $1.25 million in tax fraud is like, barely a crime in the united states true but if i did 10 percent of that i would go to jail for years yeah probably um but you know i'm not a millionaire um the court uh commented that uh kondo's wife who acted as the company's accountant showed reluctance in manipulating the company's tax filings but kondo had insisted uh which showed strong intent to commit the fraud the company's website, Ufotable, issued a statement acknowledging the sentencing, apologizing to fans of the company and all related parties, and said that it will use the incident as an opportunity to move forward towards a more sustainable level of production that remains within legal bounds. <laughs> Great. Um, Honest, <laughs> go ahead. No, I was going to say, like, honestly, like, I don't really care about this very much. Like, okay, it's tax fraud. Like, we don't need to do the whole apology circuit. Like, I don't know. 
Yeah. I, if you're going to steal mean, money from anyone, at least it should be the government. I, I, I don't think any Demon Slayer fans are like, oh, we got to go check up and yeah. see what Ufotable's saying about their, you know, former CEO. Nobody was boycotting the show over this. Yeah. Um, I mean, good good job for you. Yeah. You, you get one clap. Yes. <laughs> one solitary clap. Um. Kondo admitted to uh, the charge of violating the Corporate Tax Act and uh, Consumption Tax Act and failing to pay the money. Um, during the same hearing, Kondo issued an apology, admitting that his tax evasion would not bring any trouble to Ufotable. I mean... I mean, it, it I thought I'd didn't. get away with it is a pretty good defense. <laughs> yeah, it's the usual one. But that wraps up my segment and crime news. Yes, all right, so back in regular newsland, um, the official Twitter account for the anime of Watsuru Watanabe's Yomushi Pedal manga has announced that a fifth anime season titled Yomushi Pedal Limit Break has been greenlit for an October 2022 premiere. The anime will air on NHK. That's a pretty rad title for Yomushi Limit Pedal. Limit Break. <laughs> yeah. We, I need to catch up. Did I do you ever too. finish uh, that race? I'm still in the middle of season two, so not yet. Okay. Um... But yeah, Watudu Watanabe launched the original Yomushi Pedal manga in Akita Shoten's weekly shonen uh, champion magazine in 2008. The story of the original manga centers around Sakamichi Onoda, an otaku at Sho uh, Sohoku High School. He loves anime and games so much that he would ride his commuter bicycle to and from Tokyo's Akihabara shopping district in a 90-kilometer round trip over steep slopes after school. Onoda's life changes when he encounters his school's cycling team, and he ends up joining the competitive sport of bicycle racing. Uh, Yen Press is releasing the manga in English. Um, also, while researching this story, I found out that not only did they also do a live-action film and a TV series of this really? one, but they also did a stage play. Hell yeah. Yeah, like, I'm genuinely curious as to how a stage play of this would work. Like, they would just have to have a bunch of people on, like, stationary bikes, like, on a stage, right? no actually you could do some some cool all right so in another life i worked in theater for <laughs> 10 years so at least the stagecraft of it could be really cool right because you can have automation tracks that like their bikes oh, like yeah. slot into so you could have them basically like on bikes like doing the pedaling and it would be like a tough show for an actor because like, the main character is going to be pedaling on stage for, like, most of the show, right? Yeah, you'd imagine, yeah. But you'll have, like, uh, bicycles, like, moving around in, like, automation tracks and, like, you know, you'll yeah, have scenes in different and... places. And then, like, the race sequences, like... Oh, and of course the have, background like, would Projections. Spin, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could do all sorts of stuff. Like, as they're going by the ocean, you could even do the, like, little, like, cardboard, oh, like, waves moving up and down. Yeah, um, that I just think that's so what I I, I want to see it. Yeah, like we gotta YouTube this. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, moving on to our next story, Crunchyroll has begun streaming the first volume of Ancient Magus Bride: The Boy from the West and the Knight of the Blue Storm. Uh, OAD. Just uh, so this is gonna be the first uh, first of three um, episodes of this. Uh, just prior to Chisei becoming a part-time student during Cartophilus's brief nap, Chisei receives an invitation to the academy, and she, with the help of Elias and the others, uh, begins preparing. One such busy day, a Spriggan arrives at their home on a strange horse, bringing news that something is wrong with this wild hunt. 
Uh, Gabriel, an ordinary boy who just moved from London, was bored of his situation, of being parted from his friends, of, unf of this unfamiliar land, of everything. He was staring through his window as if to escape from it all when he caught a glimpse of tobacco smoke. When he ran outside to chase it, the impossible happened. His world began to intertwine with the veiled world of the mages. Um, this three-part OAD project is going to be bundled with the limited editions of the 16th, 17th, and 18th volumes of uh, Kore Yamazaki's Ancient Magus Bride manga. The 16th volume shipped on September 10th, the 17th will ship on March 10th of 2022, and the 18th will ship on September 10th of that same year. Um, the staff describes this OAD series as the first part of the new anime project. Ooh. Yeah, so there's going to be some more Ooh. Ancient Magus Bride in our future. Um, but I'm very excited to watch this. I've actually been kind of missing the, the Ancient Magus Bride for a while. I've been thinking about doing a rewatch. So I might do yeah. like a quick rewatch of the show and then watch the OAD at some point this week. Um, that doesn't sound bad. Yeah. But uh, I, I'm super excited about that, and I'm also super excited about what comes up next in our second specialty news segment of this episode. <laughs> oh my God. It's time for some Gundam news. It's a Gundam! We're breaking out all the stops for the Christmas episode. Yeah, so you're welcome, <laughs> by the way. Um, Urban streetwear brand Supreme has announced its latest apparel and accessories collection for the fall and winter 2021 season. Uh, when making these announcements, Supreme tends to include an unexpected or out-of-left-field collaboration, and this time around, they've partnered with Bandai to produce an official limited-edition Gundam model kit. Uh, they've chosen the MG 1100th scale RX-78-2 3.0 Granddaddy Gundam as its base. Uh, I actually have this one in a limited edition Gundam base uh, color scheme, so it's pretty cool. Um, it's going to have a recycled plastic inner frame and transparent red exterior. Um, that recycled plastic frame makes this a part of the Ecopla line of, uh, you know, recycled Gundam, or not recycled Gundams, but Gundams made from recycled plastic parts. Um, it comes with a custom shield inlaid with the Supreme logo and a custom sheet of Supreme stickers. No word yet on whether those are just going to be regular stickers or water slide decals, but it'd be pretty neat if they were water slides. The kit retailed for $90 at Supreme's retail stores and online shop. You'll notice I'm using the past tense there, and that's because these kits are long gone. Um, they basically went on sale the day we uh, were recording this, and they were sold out by the time we checked when we got home from work. Um, so yeah, these are gone. Uh, we took a quick look on the resale market before recording today. And if you want one, you're currently looking at something uh, between 185 and $250. And I anticipate that cost rising astronomically in the coming weeks. So, uh, I have a couple additions to this story too, because I looked into it a little bit. Yep. Um, this is also the second, like streetwear collaboration with Gundam this year. Uh -huh. Apparently earlier in the year, Nike did uh, a collaboration with them as well. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, they released like a Gundam shoe. Um, we'll have more information later. I'm sure Justin's going to look into this. Well, they did do, um, I remember a couple years ago, they did a Uniqlo collaboration. I actually mm -hmm. have one of their shirts. I have a Zaku shirt. Yeah, they did like a like shoe drop and they... Um, I also know they did a computer. Um, yes, thing I believe too. it was Asos or no yeah. Acer, uh, Ace, uh, Asus. Asus. Yeah, it's so confusing because there's a there's a cycling clothing brand called Asos. Yes, and then there's Asus, the computer, and then there's Acer, the other computer brand. Yes, always there, there's a lot of them. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, uh, the other thing I want to add to this is uh, I've talked about my uh, older brother before on the show uh, and how he'll like collect kind of random things like Pokemon cards um, just because he sees the value in like long term like investments, right? Like it's not, you know, stocks. It's like you're investing in a thing like he looks for like, you know, original iPhones and like boxes, like that sort of stuff, things that'll gain value over time. Uh, so I told him about this and, and he bought one on, uh, I think he tried to get one on StockX, but the like 181 was already gone. So he ended up uh, going for like an eBay one. Um, How much was it? Uh, I don't know what he paid <laughs> for. <laughs> um, but uh he's gonna be investing in it so i i personally think in terms of like you know investing in something that could potentially be worth money this is not financial advice no this is not (laughs) financial advice before before what i say next keep that in mind this isn't financial advice i'm not advising (laughs) anybody invested we are not experts but you know but i will say that i tend to see it's an interesting thing for me because like i tend to see like limited edition out of print kits sell for a pretty high markup on the reseller's market. And I know Supreme stuff already goes for wildly huge. Well, and that's the kind of wild thing about this too, is it's a collaboration between, you know, two brands that like have very rabid collector fan bases. Yeah. So there's gotta be a pretty decent slice of that pie that are into both and will like pay huge money for this. Yeah. And it's, it's something that as time goes on to is only going to dwindle in stock as people build them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, so it's super cool. I'm, I'm, I was really excited to hear about it. I wish I had heard about it sooner because I would have saved up some cash and gotten one, but, uh, yeah. Uh, and I don't know if you've looked into this, but I've added one other section to this show. Uh-huh. I don't think you're fully ready for this, Best Boy Justin. All right, well, let's hear it. Send in the Gundam. Yes. Who's here? Is that Mike? <laughs> Why is Mike here? <laughs> this is a surprise. Oh god. <laughs> Months in the making. Months? A month. Still. A month in the making. What up, Mike? Uh, uh, initially, this was supposed to have uh, best girl uh, Alyssa and best person Catherine as well. Yeah. <laughs> but we are down two people. What is this? Coming close to the mic. Oh my god, you wrapped it in everything. Yeah. Let's see what we got here. There's some ASMR for you. Oh yeah. Best Boy Justin is opening the present that Best Boy Mike has just brought oh in. Oh my god! <laughs> this is, well, because this is an audio medium, this is a Gundam Death Scythe <laughs> Roussette on. unit. Wait, 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 hold on. Premium Bandai. <laughs> Can you get that? Oh, we'll get it afterwards. Uh, this is a Premium Bandai MG kit uh, from Gundam Death Scythe Endless Waltz, which is a Christmas movie, and we're going to talk about it later. Wow, this is amazing. Thank you, guys. Uh... So there's there's so much more to this story, and I'm like so excited that we actually finally get to share this because okay. I'm not good at keeping secrets like this. Yeah, I'm surprised we it it's lasted this long. Yeah, I'm uh, you you managed it because I'm surprised, especially with uh, with 
multiple people being in on it. Yeah. Um, so we've actually talked about this uh, on the podcast before. Um, this uh, this Gundam was mm. the one that we oh it was saw. yeah it was at uh, an- you guys at bought anime it. NYC yes. wow. no. We didn't buy that one. This is a different one. Where did we you get found. this one? That's the story I'm telling. Okay. It's a good story. All right. So, uh, talk. Tell you can actually tell the beginning of this story. Uh, yeah. Talk about how you found it initially. So basically, when we were at Anime NYC, there were a couple of different um, retailers that were selling uh, Gund- Gundam kits. Um, and one of the ones we found was the, they had kits that were like a little bit more on the expensive side, but they were, um, they had a lot of like premium Bandai limited edition kits. And one of the kits that I saw there was this kit, the Endless Waltz Death Scythe, uh, Gundam. And it was, uh, on sale for, I think $110. And I said to myself, I was like, if it's still here on the third day, I'll see if I can talk the guy down a couple bucks and I'll buy it. But by the second day, it was already gone. Mm Mm-hmm. So, we were the ones who went to check it out the second day to see if it was there. I went to go buy a Gundam, but it was our secret plan to go get it for you mm. for for Christmas. Uh, so, best boy Mike and I ran there at the beginning of the second day. We checked it out. I came back and told you. I was like, oh, yeah, we checked. It was, like, not there. Right. Yeah. Which was true. It was gone. Okay. We, like, couldn't find it. And so, later that day... We met up with... Uh, that was still Saturday, right? Yeah, that yeah. was Saturday, yeah, yeah, yeah. second day, yeah. We met up with um, Best Boy Wayne. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Best Boy Wayne, we're looking for a Gundam for Justin. This is the one that we, like, uh, found. Because, like, we were looking through that place, like, trying to figure out which one it was. And I was like, ah, I think it was a Death Scythe, but I we don't know. I remembered it was like blue box. Yeah, I was like, it was like a blue and white box. We looked through every single one and we couldn't find it. Mm-hmm. But we went to Best Boy Wayne and I was like, I think it was like this one. It was like this blue Death Scythe from like the thing that happens in like August, right? Yeah. And uh, he was like, Oh, I know which one you're talking about. And I was like, Yeah, that's what we wanted to get him, but they didn't have it. And he's like. I I think I saw it somewhere. Mm. And we were like, okay. So we like hightailed it and we went to that other one. Which one? The one in the center place or the one the on the... The one end? right near that one. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That had like the tables. Like The, the, the one where we bought out. Cat's Gundam at. Yes. yes. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I just they happened had it there. to see it. Yeah. I was standing next to, to Wayne and I was like... Come closer. I was standing next to Wayne and I just pointed at it and I was like, is that... Is that it? Because it was like the only blue in white box like that that he had. Mm. And he's like, I don't know. Go grab it. So then I went and grabbed it. And I, and I handed it to him. And he just looked at it. He goes, you need to buy this now? <laughs> I'm just, surprised it was hand, still there. And handed it back to I me. And I looked over like at the guy. just put it out that day. It was yeah. in the very back. And like, it was just like, I grabbed it. And I looked at the guy. And, it, and he's like, yeah. And I was like, now. Yes. <laughs> Here's my card charge whatever it is you really did a good job of hiding it i didn't even see it um yeah we immediately like put it in it a, was in, in one a of our bags yeah. yeah i don't remember whose bag it was oh it was in uh my bag yeah, my, right. my um uh sunrise smart bag yeah, oh smart. i had to get back to him yeah, yeah. okay but yeah wow well this has been a really wonderful surprise <laughs> thank you guys yeah what was great was is like when you were talking about it on the episode about the review of uh, 
NAMYC, Dan was like, you need to listen to that part and, like, make sure we got the right one. <laughs> and so I'm like, I, I heard For all it. that, it's the wrong yeah. one. I, I would not care. It. I was I, I was listening to it, listening to it, and then I heard it, and I paused, ran into the bedrooms so we, we had it in the closet, picked it up, rewound it, listened to it. It was like, this is it. Did it again. I was like, making sure this is it. And I was like, <laughs> and then I texted Dan. I was like, Dan, we got the right one. He goes, yes. oh, Thank God. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, this is great. I'm really, I'm looking forward. I'm going to build this one right after I'm done with my Epion. Um, this is really cool. This is only like my second, uh, like, P Bandai kit. So, wow. I'm really excited for this. You should. <laughs> Thanks, guys. No problem. Well, this was a, this was a, a very special Christmas surprise of the episode. <laughs> That's how we do it. And we wow. get, we got Best Boy Mike in the studio too, so it's exciting. Um, so yeah, that was a lovely Christmas surprise. Thank you both. Thanks to uh, Best Girl Alyssa and Best Person Cat as well. Uh, I'm very excited to put this one together. Um, but uh, you know, what do you what do you guys think? Let us know if you're gonna go ahead and buy that Supreme Gundam. What kind of surprise Gundam kits are you getting your best buds out there? Send us an email at thebestboyspod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter and Instagram at bestboys underscore pod. Uh, what do you think about the show? Feel free to let us know. We're going to go ahead and be running a listener survey ahead of our second season. Uh, so let us know what you like, what you don't like, and have a hand in shaping the direction of this little show of ours. Uh, check in the show notes for the link to the survey. And as always, thanks for listening. Best buds out there. All right, do you want to introduce the meat and potatoes? Or do you want me to do it? It's up to you. Uh, Mike, you want to do it? I think Justin should do it. Yeah? All right. All right. Meat and potatoes. All right, best buds, on this week's uh, meat and potatoes of our episode, um, we're going to be talking about Christmas in Japan. We're all going to gather around and uh, and Papa Justin, best yes. boy Justin, is uh, going to regale us with all kinds of tidbits about uh Christmas. What I what I will say about Christmas and anime yeah. is I I love it. Like yeah. I I think it was like 3 or 4 years ago. It was Christmas and like I've seen all of the Christmas movies a whole bunch of times, right? And I was like, "You know what? I want to do just like an anime like Christmas like episode marathon." Mm-hmm. And it was like so difficult to find like what episodes to watch. Uh, we have a list coming up later for all you best buds, so you'll know what to watch. Um, but uh, it's there. It's a very like special time. I mean, everywhere around the world, but definitely in anime too. Yeah, you get a lot of fun tropes out of it, and uh, usually they're like kind of cornerstone episodes of a lot of seasons. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, I guess before we get started, I just want to get an idea of like, what do you guys know about Christmas in Japan? I know Best of Boy Mike, you were telling me you know about KFC, right? I, I know I've watched things... a lot of anime. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't, I don't think I've ever, I think I've seen only one Christmas anime episode. Which I one? Don't, I think it was probably Fruits Basket that did, did Yeah, that things. makes sense. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I think that's the only, out of all the ones that I've watched... That's yeah. the only one that's done it. Because I don't think Tonikawa has one yet. There is a Christmas no. chapter uh-huh. in the manga, and it's I, really good. I would watch the shit out of it. Well, hopefully Tonikawa they'll do it in season Christmas two. Episode. A lot of the things that I know is 
just a lot of the things you told me after coming back from Japan and how they did things. Right. Okay. And I just thought that it was weird. Cool. So then we'll go ahead and just dive in. And, you know, if you guys have any questions or input along the way, then uh, feel free to jump in. Um, but as many of you probably know, Christmas is celebrated in Japan. <laughs> Whoa! Uh, however, it's celebrated a little bit differently from how, uh, how it's done in the West. Uh, in Japan, Christmas is not a national holiday uh, because, uh, you know, it's not really... Well, there are Christians in Japan. It's not a very heavily represented... Oh, interesting. That is puts a whole lot of things in a very different perspective. Yeah. It's, I wouldn't have guessed that considering our, like, 60 years of imperialism living... Uh, of our military still being there in such the shape that we had on their culture afterwards. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's you know, it's not a national holiday. Uh, schools are often closed at the time, but that's because it's a close proximity to the New Year, which is a major Japanese yeah. holiday. Um, businesses, however, are almost always open on Christmas. Um, this is because um, Christmas is not celebrated... Um, in Jap The Japanese, they celebrate Christmas as a time for friends and couples specifically. Uh, as opposed to a time for family, which is like, you know, Christmas in the West is viewed as like a, a family gathering event, um, it, which is the, the analog for that in Japan would be New Year's. So New Year's is the, is the holiday where the family gets together and spends mm -hmm. time. Um, a, you'll often see it described as a sort of second Valentine's Day. Um, I've even heard Christmas Eve described as the most romantic day in Japan. Uh, it's that important for couples. So like that makes so much sense in the context of all of the anime. Yeah, yeah, because very often you'll get Christmas episodes as part of a rom com, or even if it's not in a rom com, it will have to do with whatever romance plot is present mm -hmm. uh, in that show. There is an exception that's notable that I'll talk about during our Christmas list. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's why, that's why it, Christmas is seen so differently in Japan is that it's a couple's holiday. It's like a second Valentine's day and it's actually kind of more true to what our understanding of Valentine's day here is here in the West. Mm -hmm. Um, there's not a whole lot of, uh, it, as opposed to be, it being like a time which is, yes, it has to do with romance, but also it has to do with showing appreciation for, the people in your life who you work with, go to school with, in your family. It is more specifically a time to go on dates, to have romantic, you know, happenings yeah. and stuff like that. For all those interested in uh, Valentine's Day in Japan, you can check out our White Day episode, which is different than Valentine's Day, yes. but we talk about it in it. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's what I was thinking as you were explaining all of this. It's like, oh, this sounds like a second White Day. Yeah. Well, White Day is like the yeah, but the there's brother or sister holiday yeah. to Valentine's yeah. Day. Yeah, which we'll do we'll do a Valentine's Day episode next year as well. It'll be somewhat similar to our White Day episode, but you know, whatever. Yeah. That's how podcasts work sometimes. Yeah, and eventually we'll do a New Year's episode too. Yeah, we will. Um, but yeah, so it, it, it's a very important day for couples, and uh, booking a romantic dinner at a fancy uh, restaurant for Christmas Eve is a well-worn trope in rom-com anime. Mm -hmm. um, you'll see that all the time. Uh, a lot of times it's funny because it'll be like, oh, I made this reservation, but the, my reservation was canceled for some reason, so we had curry instead. That's a common trope as well. Yeah. Um, but sometimes uh, you leave the restaurant to throw your friends into trees. Exactly. <laughs> but, uh, you know, speaking of uh, curry, uh, if it's time for your Christmas episode, what's for dinner? Um, well, you might be surprised, I guess YouTube wouldn't because you already knew about this, uh, but you might be surprised that for many J uh, Japanese folks, it's KFC on the menu. For Only the dinner. finest. The finest. Uh, but the story behind this is wild. Um, uh, I would also like to point out that I recently learned just 
how big KFC is as like a brand around oh, yeah. the world. Yeah, KFC is huge. Like the world. they're, I think they're like number three behind McDonald's and Starbucks. Yeah, makes perfect sense to me. Which is weird because like, I don't know where the closest KFC to us is. I do. It's on. Well, I, like, I don't, hold on, we gotta cut that. <laughs> like, I don't know where it is by me. I think it's actually on the other side. Just, just bleep it out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that way they'll think I said something horrible. Yes. yes. Um, but yeah, uh, we've talked about KFC on the uh, on the the pod before. We talked about the Colonel's love affair with Chika from Kaguya-sama, uh, but the connection between KFC and Japan actually goes back many, many decades. Legend has it that the idea of offering a Christmas party bucket came to Takeshi Okawara, <laughs> the manager of the first KFC in Japan, in a dream. Yes. Shortly after the franchise opened its doors oh. in 1970. That's right. This was a dream that the first manager of KFC had. Yo, are you sure it wasn't a prophecy? It apparently was because by 1974, they had a nationwide ad campaign in place and it proved to be a massive success. People went nuts for this. Yo, and while there have other been... Kit Kat are like killing yeah. it. Well, and there have been like, you know, other chicken restaurants popping up doing a Christmas thing. It's never as big as KFC specifically. Mm. Um... And ever since then, KFC has been a staple meal for Christmas, with some families placing their orders weeks in advance. Can you imagine placing a KFC order weeks in advance? I mean, that's right up there with how we celebrate Thanksgiving. Like, yeah. you, like when you plan it out, it's like, I gotta start planning this out, like, mid... Uh, October, so that I can start putting in orders ahead of time. Yeah, absolutely. You want stuff delivered. Yeah, no, it's, it's huge. Um, and, you know, I've actually done this. I've done the KFC... Uh, for dinner, for Christmas dinner with uh, I was you know person I was dating at the time, because um, I knew they didn't celebrate Christmas. Uh, but I asked I asked her I was like, hey, do you want to do anything for Christmas? She's like, oh yeah, we'll get KFC. And I was like, okay, like I didn't think about it, and I didn't realize <laughs> this until was we, in Japan. Yeah, this was in Japan, and I didn't realize until after we had gotten the food, like, oh, this is a thing. I thought she just wanted KFC. <laughs> but here's the real question: yeah. How was it? Good. Yeah, KFC in Japan's great. Yeah. Is, it, is oh. it better than American KFC? Yeah, well, mostly because the American KFC is it's Greece. like a franchise. It's grease grease ball, soggy chicken. Mm. Um, but the chicken, Sell it. yeah, that, that's oh, the sponsors we're, we're not the best. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, KFC in Japan is like all all of their versions of our fast food is much better, far superior. Um, but if chicken isn't really your jam, then how about a slice of cake? Uh, if it's dessert on Christmas Eve, it's got to be Christmas cake, which is typically a light, spongy cake with white cream frosting mm, and strawberries yes, on top. Yeah, I want it. Oh, yeah. Um, they're often topped with edible Christmas decorations as well. Uh, Christmas cake is so huge in Japan that just about every bakery, supermarket, and even many cafes will have a stand out front or on a street corner to sell them. Um, and people line up down the block. They put orders weeks in advance, just like for the KFC party buckets. Christmas cake, huge in Japan. Um, is Should this be our Christmas? Yeah, I don't see why not. I'm down. Although, let's make our own chicken. Let's not eat yeah. the KFC. We're not ordering KFC. No. <laughs> um, but you'll often see this represented as a trope in anime where one of the characters gets a part-time job selling Christmas cakes so that they can afford to buy a present for their romantic interest. Um, it's a well-worn trope. You see it all, you see it all the time in rom-com. Um, as far as things that you also see all the time in rom-com, Japan is somewhat famous for its winter lighting displays, some of which span entire towns. Um, while these aren't necessarily for Christmas specifically, uh, really it's more of like a winter holiday thing, 
Um, it's quite common for couples to go on dates to see the light displays on Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, you see this? I, yeah, I'm just thinking about like every Christmas anime where the couple's like walking down the street and you have the like out of focus blurred lights in the background yep. of it. Absolutely. Yeah, and the lighting displays are phenomenal. Like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I've, I've seen a couple, I saw some in Hiroshima a couple years. Um, I saw them in uh, the town where I was stationed, you know, for a while. Um, and they go all out. Everything, like enormous Christmas trees, streamers, lights. I love that. I love lights. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. These displays tend to remain up from the middle of November through Valentine's Day. Um, as far as uh, other kind of like attractions for Christmas, Christmas markets are also quite popular in Japan. Um, while it is a market in the traditional sense that you can buy like charms and ornaments and other trinkets and stuff like that, um, they are similar to like a small scale festival. So you can also get like mulled wine, there are food stands, and you can get amazake, um, which for those of you who don't know is a type of sweet and very lightly alcoholic sake. And when I say it's very lightly alcoholic, I mean it's below 1%. So children are actually allowed to have it. It's a fairly common thing also at like New Year's uh, shrines. They, they'll have a stand that sells amazake. I've never yeah, tried it. I would really like drunk. to. Yeah. Well, that, that's, also a, that's also a trope in like a New Year's episode where like, um, you know, all the kids will go and get amazake, but like accidentally it'll be real sake <laughs> and they're all drunk. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I know you're all wondering, so we'll get to the most important part. Will you get presents on Christmas in Japan? Um, from your friends and family, probably not, unfortunately. Uh, gift giving on Christmas is generally reserved for couples, uh, although in recent years it has become slightly more common for friends and families to give each other small trinkets on Christmas. Uh, and this is because Japan already has a custom of exchanging gifts on New Year's called Osebo. So it's, you know, it's not likely that they would also give each other presents on Christmas, unless they're couples. So when you're celebrating it as a couple, you know, obviously you'd probably give them something you know, there would be a gift exchange of some sort. Mm. Um, but, uh, you know, like all things, it's changing, you know, globalization. There is more melding of cultures. People are celebrating Christmas in a more traditional Western way in a lot of cases now where families will gather. Um, so, you know, things are always subject to change. But uh, that pretty much does it for, you know, um, our discussion of Christmas in Japan. What do you guys think? It puts into all into context all of the like Christmas episodes because I, I came at them from like a very kind of like Western image of Christmas and and they have a lot of the kind of superficial elements to it right? right like they have the Christmas trees they have the lights they have like snowmen and like you know all the like things that we're used to seeing around Christmas but the culture around it is is so different so you know. It, when I, like, think about, like, you know, memes from, like, the shows, I think about, you know, a lot of the, like, romance elements and not really, like, what we traditionally think about in, like, Western Christmas. And this makes that make sense. Yeah. What about you, Best Boy Mike? I actually like it a lot more than what we yeah. do. It sounds way more <laughs> it, relaxed. It does. Well, way less pressure. Yeah, because, like, you know this. I I don't like the holidays. Yeah, I'm either. just not a huge fan of them, of it. And, like, when it comes to Christmas, like, I just can't stand it. But I like, you know, walking down the streets and when the city puts up uh, the lighting on certain streets and whatnot yeah. and, and whatnot. So, like, I like the yeah. whole, like... The pageantry visual, of it. Yeah, the visual of, of like, Christmas time, of the, the seasonal time. Yeah. But, like, gift-giving, I can't stand doing that. Like, and... 
the the day of is something that I can give or take. So right. Like, it just well, seems a whole lot more interesting. Well, it sounds like we're going to Japan for Christmas next year. <laughs> we're um, going to do the Japan, would, the Christmas episode live from Japan. Yes. Oh, I would absolutely do that. Um, but you actually reminded me of one more thing um, that I wanted to mention. Um, when you said snowmen, they're actually in Hokkaido in Japan. They have snow um, sculptures. a snow sculpture I've festival. Seen, I've seen those. Ooh. Yeah, some of them. And like when I say snow sculpture, I don't mean just like, you know, Oh, they made like a, a person. Like they do entire mm. scenes. Like I've seen, they did a like a like an Egyptian pyramid. Um, they do like incredibly photorealistic like busts of like people. Mm-hmm. Um, like I think they did like one of them would was like a, 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 a like a very famous politician who had passed that, that year. Um, and they put like side by side a picture of him to the sculpture. I want to see the what is it Hikone Mitsu snow sculpture. Hikone. The like so. Vocaloid. Oh, yo, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm yeah. sure they've made one. Oh, for sure. Yeah, anime characters are also huge. I think they did one like really big Naruto one. Yeah, a couple I years think back. there was like a One Piece one. Um, yeah, so those things are super cool too. It, that's not like a Christmas tradition. It's just something you reminded me of. Um, but yeah, um, so I guess uh, do we want to talk about some some Christmas episode tropes and then we'll move on to some Christmas episodes? I mean, yeah, they're they're kind of what you would expect from a lot of like romantic episodes right yeah and um, it's interesting because a lot of them are actually tropes that are shared with like a valentine's day episode as well yeah so the first one like i thought of is like the the struggle of like finding that like perfect gift for your like romantic interest yeah and it, it usually ends up like going both ways where like the guy is like really struggling but it like it turns out secretly behind the scenes the girl who has it all together like was actually like not sure or she yeah. like or it could be the total opposite where she comes in and she's like boom i got you this perfect gift. yeah like, yeah, yeah, yeah slide across the table and that yeah that that whole gift giving montage is actually kind of fun to watch because it's always it's always done this, whole episodes like, about it yeah it's always done kind of the same way but always just slightly differently um and i think that's interesting yeah um the next one we have listed here is not spending time with family. And again, that's kind of just, it's a uh, a side effect of just the way they celebrate Christmas in Japan. It's not a really a family holiday. Yeah. You want to say the next one? Uh, Santa outfits. Yeah. Which I'm intrigued. Oh, we got to show, that. we got to show best boy Mike the, the Kobayashi Christmas yeah. uh, outfits. That's, that's a pretty good uh, example of it. But basically like, Honestly, Santa outfits more often than not are on the female characters. Oh yeah, in anime. almost always. It's pretty rare. Yeah, that's good, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, for for the audio listeners, um, Best Boy Mike just saw the um, image of the uh, Miss Kobayashi Christmas special. Yes. Like the first art release for it. And it's what you would expect from it, except for what Kobayashi is wearing. Yeah, that one struck me too, because uh, Kobayashi is wearing a very like revealing... A very feminine aesthetic of yeah, clothing. Which she doesn't usually wear. She yeah. usually wears like a kind of androgynous yeah. type of outfit. So I'm pretty psyched for that. It should be an be interesting, interesting episode. She and is also Lukua, holding a bottle of boot. Yeah, yeah, Lukua is Lukua. <laughs> Lukua is Lukua is to the extreme. <laughs> yeah, but Kobayashi is also holding a bottle of booze so like we can in- we can interpret that she's probably also giving a screed about maids. I, oh been taken. my god, I love drunk Kobayashi. Um, but yeah, next up on our on our uh, episode uh, tropes, we have Christmas dates. 
Again, because of the way, uh, you know, Christmas is celebrated as a romantic holiday in Japan, uh, Christmas dates are very common. And it's interesting that we get um, kind of two perspectives on this. You get the, when it's like school-aged kids going on a Christmas date, but then you also get in shows like, you know, Wotakoi, My Senpai is Annoying, things like that, um, where you have, like, adults who go on their versions of Christmas dates. Mm-hmm. So, like, in a, lo- a lot of times in manga... The Christmas episode will also be the episode where he proposes mm. because they're at a very fancy restaurant and it's Christmas Eve. Um, so yeah, that's a that's a pretty common common trope we have as well. Right, and that's like those are pretty much the main tropes. Um, you know, you'll see a lot of just kind of like, uh, you know, just kind of rom commy stuff going on. Yeah. Um, so I guess it's time for us to break into our top 10 list for this week. And what we have for you today is a uh, top 10 list of our favorite Christmas episodes in anime. Um, I'm glad that there's much more information available on the internet regarding this subject now than, oh, yeah. than when I was looking for, for recommendations a year ago. Um, we were able to kind of narrow it down. Well, originally we had like 20 on here. Of shows that we had mostly seen, yeah. um, either one, one or both of us had seen all of them on the list, um, and they were all shows that we like. So we have ten ones that uh, stuck out most in our head. I think was the biggest criteria for this. Yeah, because I mean, you know, we didn't we didn't have time enough time, unfortunately, to go through and watch every Christmas episode we've ever yeah. seen <laughs> again. But, but I think that but, you know sometimes that's a good marker for it too, right? Yeah. Like, like what, what do you remember? Yeah. You know? These are the ones that that stuck out and. For me, number one is kind of like the the progenitor of kind of all of the Christmas episodes in my mind is the Love Hina Christmas special. Yeah. Right? Like this was a 40 minute OVA, uh, one of like two that led into like the final like uh, OVA like season. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, much like their, their beach episode and like their Valentine's Day episode, this is like kind of an archetype of how these types of episodes would come in the future. Yeah. And this is like one of the big climantic romantic moments within the show. And it's all this, this episode hits all of the tropes, all of the beats of it. It's kind of a, the perfect example of everything we talked about. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, um, it is an etchy show. It's kind of the original one. Um, so yeah. keep that in mind, too. Yeah. Next up, we have Dr. Stone, episode 21, Spartan Crafts Club, which, Best Boy Mike, you should probably watch Dr. Dr. Stone. Dr. Stone you would like is a lot. one you could put on the list. Do you like science? I do. Then you'll like Dr. Stone. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was one of the ones that you originally recommended. I, yeah, think, I, it was, I think it was in the same sentence of that and I need to watch ReZero. Which oh, we have started. Yes. How oh, ReZero. Oh, yes. Quick oh, we're side take a break. It is. It took uh, it took me and Alyssa like four or five episodes to really be like, what is going on? And, yeah, that's fair. And why? Because I was just like, oh, he's just going to keep on dying and dying and dying. And then like it developed. And I was like, these the twin girls this is this is interesting and then their whole like thing a part of it and just how everything is like developing it's just we we haven't watched it in i think like two weeks because we were we were both sick yeah but like it 
I think we crushed like half of the first season. Oh, it's okay. a very bingeable Hulk, show. Yeah, because yeah. so, like you'll get to the end of some episodes and it'll be like, oh, I need to know what happens yeah. next. And that and that was our thing with like it would get to be like one in the morning and, and Alyssa would be looking like we cannot start another one <laughs> yeah. because next thing we know it's like four in the morning neither one of us have has eaten since like six o'clock at night and yeah. it's like well we should probably eat again and then you know we're up for 48 hours <laughs> so, watching ReZero. Yeah. So here's the wild thing about all of this to me too is Best Boy Mike is watching this in a time where there is a second season of ReZero. Yeah. Right? Like the there not being a second season of ReZero was a meme for so long. Yeah. We, how, how long was it between season one and season two? Oh, it was like four or five yeah, years. Four or five years. years. It was wild. Cause Maybe I, six. Because I, I, the way I found, I found ReZero after it had finished airing the first okay. time. Yeah. And basically Same. I binged all the way through it. Yeah, yeah. And at the end I was like, what do you mean? Like, because I, I think I watched it after it had been two years. Since it is, the, the it is, it, it is also one of the, most memed and so like I would stay uh-huh. away from the internet and like kind of like hey, staying away from the internet is in general a good idea <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and like not exalted but like it's it's kind of has its place in anime culture mm-hmm. as like a cliffhanger yeah it, it is like a, it is like the, <laughs> and then the, it didn't the have platonic ideal for, of an anime cliffhanger yeah and then it didn't have uh, a resolution to that for like yeah. ages, and we didn't even know. Like, they, they, it's not even like oh, like we we know there's gonna be a sequel. We just don't know when. Like, we had no news. There was no confirmations of anything for like I think until like a year before it came out. It's so, like like three or four years. We just no one knew like, if it was gonna last come out. year, right? Yeah, that's ridiculous. And the like when they rene- announced it, was it kind of just like thrown out with the Friday trash? Like, oh, by the way, like no, this no, it was, it was huge. It was yeah. huge, yeah, yeah. huge, huge, it was huge. An entire deal. thing. The whole internet, the whole anime internet exploded. Yeah. I can't imagine watching an anime like week by week by week. ReZero is tough to yeah. do that with, well, to, and then get to the point where like, all right, I've watched this entire season. Yep. And then not know that it's not coming back, and then having to wa- having to wait every like fall or spring whenever it came, whenever it came out, and knowing that it's not coming back yet because there's nothing, and then yep. like wait six years. I can't do that. Yeah, well, you're gonna have to get used to it. Welcome. <laughs> you've already you've already dove in. I will say this: the second season of ReZero mm-hmm. uh, doesn't leave on as huge of a cliffhanger. I think we do already know there's going to be a season three, yeah. so it's not going to be. And as I don't bad. think it's it's super far off either. No, I think it's going to come out. I think it's actually ReZero out also got delayed by COVID. Too. That's oh, the other part of the yeah, problem. Yeah, I, I remember you guys telling me about that. Like, um, I watch more of Crunchyroll now than I watch almost than I watch anything else. I can't tell yeah. you the last time I actually opened like Netflix to watch something. Yeah, um, but anyway, that's all. <laughs> side tangent. <laughs> super side tangent. We were talking about Doctor Stone episode uh, twenty one, Spartan Crafts Club, um, <laughs> which is a, you would like Doctor yeah. Stone. Yeah, this is a great episode. There's not too much like. To it, but like you get just a really brilliant Christmas tree moment. Yeah, it's a really interesting twist on like, okay, how do you have a Christmas episode in a world where you have no technology? Yeah, uh, and I think they pull it off pretty flawlessly. Yeah, this is the one that you showed me in the, in the books when we went to um, the anime store in the city, uh, Kino Kinokuniya. Yeah, mm-hmm. they had like it, they had an entire like bookshelf dedicated to this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm not surprised. I would believe it. Um, but yeah, the next one is also pretty iconic. Like, 
It's not my favorite on this list by any means. But, but it's like, one that you remember. It, next to Love Hina, it's probably the one that sticks out most in my mind. And that's um, the Red New- Red Nose Reindeer episode of Sword Art Online. Yep. It's got the, like, maniacal, like, Santa Claus in it. Yep. Santa <laughs> demon monster they have to fight. And um, it was fun because, okay, so usually a Christmas episode in a lot of, when you have it in a show that's not a rom It's still a big, like, romance point. There, it is It is still, big, still a big romance point, but a lot of times when you have a Christmas episode that's not in a rom-com it serves the purpose of a pressure release valve so usually you'll have it as like a light-hearted barely canonical episode that just kind of takes place after the end of a major mm-hmm. arc where something heavily dramatic happened and it's kind of a way for all the characters to come together to reset you know, before you start picking the plot back up again. And this is not the case oh, with Sword no. Art. Sword Art it is <laughs> a very action-filled episode. Yeah, and it's like some intense like dark action in terms of the I show. mean the whole the whole first season of that is, is that yeah. show is dark um but yeah I think it definitely belongs on this list just because of how like how much it sticks out and how yeah it's a very it interesting one yeah this uh, next one you're gonna have to talk about because I I've still really haven't watched this show my love story um no oh Agretto. <laughs> I, I read him out of order surprise number five <laughs> um Gretzko, yeah, it, it's you know another episode uh, of the show. It you know it has the kind of romance plot to it. Um, I, I've been preaching this for a while. If you have worked in an office, like watch the show, you'll enjoy it. If you like, I think Alyssa will like the show a lot. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, and I think if you like, you know, chibi animals uh, singing death metal, you'll also like the show. Um, but it's just it's a solid Christmas concept. episode. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, it's. It is a very, it is like The Office, but with um, chibi animal, anthropomorphic animals. Yeah. Um, I, I, it's, this show doesn't do it for me for some reason. Like, I haven't been able to watch it, but I do but fully recognize like that it, it is offers. a fantastic show. Yeah. Um, it's got, like, really, like, I'm interesting, like, character. Yes, definitely. <laughs> we know. <laughs> uh, really interesting, like, character development. Um, would recommend. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, next up, as Dan <laughs> leaked in the spoilers, um, is My Love Story, episode 17, Which My it, Christmas. It's probably my third, like, on the list of ones that stick out in my mind. And probably my favorite my favorite yeah my love story you know they have a lot of really great like all of their like archetypical episodes and this one does not disappoint it is a very very cute episode yeah um it just has a lot of great moments um especially for uh takio's friends right like uh the show has like this really stellar like main couple and the kind of like secondary like couples and like people are like really good too but the tertiary characters yep. also just kind of like round out the show a little bit and they don't get a ton of screen time but when they do it's it's kind of interesting to see the role they play it's usually kind of an extension of Takio and it's like him supporting his friends and like encouraging them to like follow their hearts as well yeah absolutely um next up on our list we have my hero academia episode 101 have a merry christmas um i spoke earlier about how oftentimes when you have a show that's not a rom-com the christmas episode serves as like a pressure release valve and that's what this episode does for the show Mm. i forget exactly which arc it comes after i think it it, it comes the area arc right the what's up the with the um 
Yes, with, with Ari, yeah. yeah. And it comes right before the uh, My Villain Academia arc. Right. Um, so it's it's definitely, it's like this midpoint that's supposed to reset the show's kind of point of view. Yeah. Um, but also it's just a really cute episode. Like mm-hmm. they, uh, I believe they find out, you know, some of the people Ari's got there. Ari's really adorable throughout it. Ari is, oh God, so cute. She keeps, uh, I, I don't want to give away too much, but I will say that uh, she is very, very cute in this episode. Um also, you we you know we find out that some of the people who had been missing their hero licenses got their hero licenses, yeah. so it's like a my, celebration. My hero is eventually on the list for you. It's like it's a pretty straight up solid shonen. Yeah, it's really mm. good. It's like it's it has an kind interesting power the, system. Like most, like easily swallowable, like. Shown in at the moment, I think. Yeah, one out of the big ones that are running. Yeah, um, but it, it's a fun world to be in. Yeah, and uh, also we get to and see all movies. the characters. Was it good movies? Good too. movies. Yeah, we get to see all the characters wearing Santa outfits, which is always fun. Yes, um, <laughs> this is a perfect example. But of like, Ari is the centerpiece of this this episode. Oh, yes. She's super cute. She's. I don't even like. I want to say it, but I don't want to give it away. Like, I want people to watch it and enjoy it. Um, it's just real cute. Um, next up we have, uh, my hero, my senpai is annoying, uh, episode three, my hero is annoying. <laughs> <laughs> I would watch that show. My, my senpai is annoying episode three and then it's Christmas. Um, again, we have a very standard boilerplate Christmas episode. It's a little bit different because at this point in the story, there isn't a romantic connection between the main characters. So like you have them going on like a pseudo date, not a date. But the other interesting thing is this one we get from the perspective of working adults, um, so, you know, a lot of times when we have a Christmas episode in a show where the kids are in school, they're off from school because schools are generally out during this time of year. This takes place as a working adult. Businesses are open on Christmas Eve. So, like, a lot of times your Christmas Eve date will take place after work. Um, but uh, I do think, you know, just for that kind of difference, that, the you know, alternate perspective, um, this one definitely uh, enjoys its place on the list. Um, up next, we have the Rent-A-Girlfriend Christmas episode. Uh, <laughs> Don't, eight. You're shaking your head, Christmas but this is actually a good show. Uh, Best Boy Mike, tell me your aversion to Rent-A-Girlfriend. I, I haven't seen it. <laughs> you're, I, I haven't seen it. I think there was a reason you told me not to watch it. No, you're thinking of Domestic Girlfriend. Oh. This is different. Very, uh, very and different. Also, <laughs> and also Can different than Girlfriend Girlfriend. <laughs> also different than Girlfriend Girlfriend. Yeah, this one, this one, um, I actually don't remember too much about this one, so I'm going to lean on you for this one. Uh, honestly, I don't remember a whole ton about it either, except, oh, I do. You know what? It's the one where he uh, stalks her. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so this was like... This is an example of like the like oh I got you the cool gift slide across the table yes, like moment. Yes, it does. Yeah, uh, it does a really good one of those. And this is kind of like not a good romantic episode, but it also he is just not a good romantic character protagonist. Yeah. She's great. I I think that's also like kind of the point of the show too is that like she's awesome and he's kind of a shit. I, you know, but that's like a lot which of I can the, relate like, to <laughs> but that's a lot of the like romantic like fulfillment like yeah. um, anime archetypes I will say we do definitely get a really interesting depiction of a winter light display in this show yes. I do remember that it sticks yeah, out very vividly yeah that kind of like tree that they're like centered around yep Mm-hmm. I mean, who doesn't love some light Christmas stocking? <laughs> yeah. Rent a Girlfriend is one of the original episodes of like this is way better than it has any right to yeah, be. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, because I remember I started watching it and I was like, 
Justin, check out this show. And you're like, this looks like trash. And I was like, do it. And you were like, this show is so good. It is, it is way better than I ever thought it would be. <laughs> Me too. I um, I started it as a like meme joke, but like really enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, sometimes that happens. Um, next up, we have what might be in competition with My Hero Academia for the cutest. No, this is definitely the cutest. Uh, well, I don't know. Ari's pretty cute. Ari is um, cute. But we do have Yuru Camp episodes 11 and 12, Christmas Camp, and Mount Fuji and the Laid Back Camp Girls. Um, this one uh, kind of caps off the end of the first season here, uh, and it is just super cozy. It's yeah. like... The girls go camping, they have their little fires, they take their little pictures, they're at they get to see Mount Fuji in the morning. All the girls are together. Yeah. It's not a romantic episode. It's not. It's it's just like a bunch of friends who are just Doesn't the teacher get super drunk? The teacher does get super drunk, which is the teacher always gets super drunk. It's great too, because she like she has this normal personality where she's like kind of like this peppy young teacher where she's like doing all the teacherly things and then when she gets drunk she just turns into like a shit bag and she's like she's like sitting in her like chair covered in her blankets and jacket just being like being like a shithead you know Um, which I can relate to but um, yeah this one is just it's super cute and also like some has some of the most gorgeous landscape art Uh, of of any show the music is great this this show has like the most relaxing music. If you just want to like chill and vibe, like yeah, listen to this. There was a uh, there was a point of, there was a point of time where I would while I was at work when I was working at this other job that I really freaking hated and I was like trying to make my way out of it. During my lunch break, I would use that time to look for job listings. And what I would do is I would eat my lunch. And I would turn on the Yuru Camp soundtrack to kind of drown out the noise of the place that I hated being at. <laughs> and I would look for a new job while I ate my lunch. That's um, the most 2021 story I've ever heard. heard. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's, that's going to be the name of my of my my long light novel title. It's like, it's like, I got laid off from my career due to global pandemic. And now I need to work at a package store while I find a new job. Help! <laughs> Uh, um, I couldn't read that. I, it's too real. <laughs> it's too real. Uh, but Yuru Camp is cute. Um, it's got some of the most beautiful drawings of Mount Fuji I've ever seen in an anime. Yes. Um, which, if you've I, never been, which... I use it as a as a background to my desktop. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's gorgeous. Like, I, I remember I went to Mount Fuji, unfortunately, during the winter, so I couldn't climb it. But seeing Mount Fuji in the morning, like, Ugh. made up for the fact that I had to sleep outside in near sub-zero temperatures. But, like... Um, you know, it's just, it's indescribably beautiful. Um, and I was really glad I got to see it in this form. Yeah. Uh, up next we have Gundam Wing Endless Waltz, uh, which I'm going to tell you all about and not let Best Boy Justin talk about it all. (laughs) So Gundam Wing Endless Waltz is, uh, when the Transformers land on Earth and then Pacific Rim happens. I'm gonna mute your mic. And GLaDOS comes out. Right, the Decepticons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. the Decepticons and then uh, the Megazord comes out. Everybody stop! And then for some reason, I think (laughs) you're ruining Christmas. (laughs) I mean, can we we have a top ten on, on this podcast without Gundam being in it? Yeah, top ten anime that suck. <laughs> um, no, actually, there are definitely shows. There are definitely <laughs> versions of Gundam that belong on that. Um, but no, Endless Waltz, this this B on the list is kind of like the anime version of the whole argument of whether or not Die Hard is a Christmas movie. It is. Because it is, it first is. of all. Yes. Uh, John McClane is a Christ figure, and I will write an essay about it. Um, but no, in this, in this one, like... Yes, it is not a traditional Christmas episode, because obviously Gundam Wing is not a rom-com. Sometimes. 
But like, um, it it takes place during Christmas. It has like more traditional Christmas themes than you would you would normally find in a, in a Christmas episode of anime. So like, it does have these themes of like coming together and like self sacrifice and you know stuff like that. You do have a figure who is kind of like a Jesus figure. Um, and you can argue whether that figure is Hiro or if it's Miliardo or if it's both. Um, but, uh, you know, Die, uh, Die Hard is a Christmas movie and so is Endless Waltz. Fair point. Yeah. Um, and, and that pretty much caps off our uh, our Christmas episode. We yes, have our Christmas out- spectacular. Yeah, we have an outro written, but we have Best Boy Mike on the show now, so it hardly seems worth it. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was just more jokes I'm about here. Nero Claudius. Oh, to best, ruin everything. B- best Boy Mike, how, how do you enjoy uh, your Roman history? That's terrible. Oh. I'm not looking forward to that test on Tuesday. Oh, oh you're, well, well, we're going to help you out a little bit with that. Yeah, we have a whole section on Nero Claudius at the beginning of this episode. Oh, man. <laughs> Do you know anything about Nero Claudius? No. Well, get ready to learn because he is the spirit of Christmas. Yep, apparently. That's shocking. Yeah. <laughs> um, but thank you, Best Buds, for joining us on our Christmas Spectacular. Um, Best Boy Justin, you got some socials for us but yeah best buds thanks for tuning in i hope you're having some happy holidays out there spending time with your friends and family um and hopefully spending some time off work i know i won't be but um let us know what you think let us know what you're doing what's your favorite christmas episode uh send us an email at the bestboyspod at gmail.com or hit us up on twitter and instagram at bestboys underscore pod and remember padoru 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 um and the last thing we want to leave you with best buds is uh don't worry we're coming back shortly we're going to take a little break for the holidays we're going to come back in january with our 2021 extravaganza recap of madness um, working title working title um but yeah we'll be back we're just going to take a few week break so uh have a happy new year to all you best buds out there too and a happy holiday Bye, best buds. Bye. Ah.